Well, hey, hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is episode number 284, and today I am fired up because we are going to be talking about everything that went down at our TAS Breakthrough Live event in Phoenix, Arizona, and I'm doing this intro with my good friend on here right now because he's going to help me is Chris Schaefer, and we are going to dive into the takeaways, uh, everything that we kind of took away, but then what the conversations were happening and some of the hot seats that we discussed. So Chris Schaefer, are you fired up still from this event? I'm fired up, and I, I got to tell you, I have so much fun with these that it's not even funny, right? <laughs> I was sitting, it, it really isn't like, there's so much value in this for us even oh, right? yeah. like you yeah. and I, you and I get takeaways out of these, which is really, really, really cool because, and one of the things that we're going to talk about, you know, we're not even the most successful people in the room some no. of the time. No. And the, the fact that we can get together and have the conversations that we have, um, we had both Saturday and, and kind of the, the stuff that we dove into Sunday as well in the second day of the event are just absolutely amazing. You know, you get different perspectives on everything, which is, Scott, one of the things that you talk about all the time, right, is surrounding yourself with like-minded people, but never wanting to be the smartest person in the room. Yeah, yeah, no, I I couldn't agree more. I mean, that's, it's it's 100% true. That's exactly how I feel at these events. Yeah. You know, the thing is, is, you know, I didn't know what to expect and you always get a little bit nervous, right? Because you're, you're doing this event. You're hoping people are going to walk away with value. You want to hear, you want to hear feedback. You want to hear honest feedback, but you're hoping that's going to be good. And, uh, we, uh, we really, you know, wanted to make sure that everyone walked away with some actionable stuff. Cause I'm a big fan of, you know, going to an event, but then walking away with a notebook full of stuff that you want to go ahead and start implementing. And I have a notebook with stuff that I want to take action on. And I know you do too. Um, we have, I mean, stuff within the Amazon space, stuff externally, and then also with TAS now that we've gotten feedback from people as far as what they want and what they need. So, I mean, there's just so much stuff that we took away, not to mention the people. Like, and I I just said this, uh, I forget who I was talking to. Maybe I was just talking to my wife about it. I says, now that I was able to sit down again with some of these people that are repeat uh, breakthrough live attendees, uh, you know, like the Armstrongs and uh, and being able to sit down around a campfire at night and just really just talk about life, not just business and see the inner workings of of what makes a successful person successful. Because a lot of times it's not necessarily the business, it's the mindset. Um, and that's really what I took away. I mean, those like I said, those uh, fireside chats, if you will, but they were really fireside. They were like we were sitting around a fire. It was um, a literal fireside chat. It really, really was. Uh, so um, what I did want to do, though, is I wanted to to make this episode actionable as well because there was some hot seats that we did. We did actually um, 10 hot seats on day one, and what we did there was we listened to sellers uh, as far as like what they're, what they're stuck on like right now or what they're what they're needing help with to move forward. And the cool thing was, is these aren't like people that are getting up there and like, um, I, I want to know what product I need to select. Okay. Now there's nothing wrong with that, but these people are past that. And most of them way past that. And some of their sticking points, we were kind of scratching our heads saying like, you seriously think that's a problem? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, I mean the one, the it's one a, girl, it's the quality of the, of the questions and the quality yeah. of the concerns that are different. Right. And it's not, it's not to say, like you just said, that that being stuck on product selection is a bad thing. That is one of the most difficult things. Totally. But it's not, 
it's not necessarily like a business problem or a growth problem. It's a mindset problem, right? Totally. If you found these products and you now have selection paralysis, this is I'm going to start calling this, right? You have, you have to pick one and there's not really much we can do to help you pick one other than look at the numbers and go, that's probably the one that I would pick. Yeah. Yeah. But some of the questions that we got were, you know, how do I work better with my partners? How do I grow past the cap that I've hit in my business? Do I create a second brand now that I've made this first one successful or do I keep pursuing those? And it's stuff that you and I don't necessarily think about on a daily basis. So we get to sit there and discuss it with not only the person asking the questions, but the other 29 people in the room, which is really, really cool. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I think once you start to see that, you're like, Okay, now we're out of the, you know, gloom and doom Amazon world, right? Because a lot of times, and, you know, again, I don't want people taking this the wrong way. You know, when you're first starting, you do have doubts. You do have fears. We all do. We still do, right? But the thing is, is once you start interacting with these people that are kind of past that mindset, they're like, they're not thinking that, like, Amazon or their e-commerce business is going to go away tomorrow. It's more of like, okay, what's next now that I'm at this level? Um, what do I do to move forward? Um, and that, that's really what I do want to break down here. Before we jump into that, though, I really, again, I've been getting some some emails from people. I've been getting some uh, some messages just saying how how I guess uh, excited they are, but then the things that they're going to do, uh, you know, like Jarrett, who uh, who was on the podcast from our last one, our last event, who says, you know, he's already, you know, getting ready to build his external list to 10,000 subs by, you know, by I think uh, January 1st. Um, so he's all fired up. But this, I've been getting a lot of feedback from people saying how excited they are to really implement what they learned. But I did want to read this one. Um, Chris, if you don't mind pulling that up and just read the one, um, this one here came in last night, literally. And I was like, holy crap, like that's pretty powerful uh, to, to for us to hear because you don't know the impact until people actually tell you the value that they feel it's worth by being around these people. So if you could read that, Chris, that'd be, that'd be great. Absolutely. There's actually two things I wish to share. The weekend was amazing. My brain still hurt. Not only was the material covered way deep, but the average IQ in the room was seriously hampered by my attendance. And honestly, guys, Scott and I feel the same way. (laughs) (laughs) Astonishing knowledge base. I've already made huge changes to our processes. I can't thank you enough for the effort you put into this and the curriculum. I wish I could have some time to get to know you and your wife a bit, but perhaps the next TAS live as I will be there for sure. I was second guessing my decision to come right from the time I pressed the pay now button. But since a a bit of time has elapsed from the weekend, I realized I received over a hundred thousand dollars in knowledge. That's one hell of an investment return. Mm. Thank you many times over. Yeah, that was awesome. on, On day two, we talked a little bit about, you know, starting to use your Amazon customers to build a list externally. And he said, you know, I had my VA take the last 200 people that purchased the product, do what we talked about on day two, did a little research and found my audience. Bam. Now we know who to market to. And he, you know, kind of signed off from there. And I think that's absolutely powerful. So not only was he able to get a ton of value out of it, but he was able to, he's already since then. And this is what, this is Thursday after. Yeah. It's been a few days since, you know, you and I flew back finally. And, and our voice has been able to take that and start to apply that already, which is really, really, really cool. Yeah. And I I just said our, our voices finally came back too, (laughs) because I didn't think I was going to make it through day two because day one, 
we were we were speaking, but then we also were doing a lot of conversations and stuff, you know, either during or after. Um, and uh, and then day two, we made it through that. But then on on uh, what was it Monday? I did a little sightseeing, and my my voice was shot. Uh, so mine is back. Yours is coming back. So we're good there. But yeah, uh, I I agree. And, and the cool thing about this is is you know he took what he learned, and then he instantly like went out there immediately went out there and implemented it and he's already got an action plan and i guess that's the point that i really want to make here is that when you go out there and you learn something and not just consume it and you take action you will get results now are his results going to be exactly as he plans probably not but he will get results all right um so i just want to say like the big takeaway that i got really is that the people that are coming to this little mastermind if you will like less than 30 people like 30 or less people right in a room it's so powerful and i had so many people say how powerful that is but these are action takers these are people that already have launched products these people have already been through the process and they're just thinking how to grow right so there's a different mindset there and when you get that mindset, it makes you start to think a little bit bigger. I mean, we had people in the room that were doing 200000 a month. We had people that were in the room that were doing 80000 a month. Uh, you know, we had people that were in the room that were doing 100000 a month, 45000 a month. Like, they're doing some serious numbers. And, I mean, we had someone in the hot seat um, that was, and we'll talk about him in a second, but that was doing $200,000 a month in revenue in there, and he had sticking points. And a lot of it was mental blocks. Uh, and we'll talk about that. But, you know what I mean? Like, there's people in the room that are not thinking that they are the smartest in the room because they have their own set of struggles. So it doesn't really matter where you are in the process. Understand, at least for me, I like to think about how I can grow. How can I How can I listen to someone else's story and then start thinking to myself, how can I adapt this to my business? And a lot of times people don't do that. I'll be sitting there thinking about how can I make this work for my business, right? Not just okay, that, that worked for him, but it won't work for me. Um, do you find that too, Chris? I do. And that, and not just, not just while we're sitting there, but even while we're thinking, like, uh, I know during the Q and a portion, Ty asked a question about PPC, right? Ty, the PPC guy asked a question about PPC. Yeah. And it, it makes you think through these things in a different way, just because of the types of questions and the, the types of problems that come up. And so you're forced to think about how those things apply in your business, not just for us, but for everybody that's there as well. Right. Yeah. You know what? Let's, uh, we weren't, this wasn't planned, but let, let's do that. Do you, do you remember the question on, on Ty's question? Tyrone, that is, by the way, do you remember his question? Uh, <clears throat> I'm sure I'm going to butcher it. It was, it was something along the lines of, you know, one of the things that we always talk about is, you know, the the way that you rank in search in Amazon is through sales and that's influenced by conversion rate. So his question was something along the lines of if you could pay a penny per click in PPC mm-hmm. and convert at a one percent rate, would you do it? Right. Because, you know, your conversion rate is going to be affected by that. Exactly. Right. Most of us are converting between 15 and 20%. So in theory, that drags your conversion rate down. And I gave the answer that I know you hate. <laughs> uh, but I always try to justify it. And I said, it depends. Yep. And for me, you know, and again, I was thinking through this on the fly. For me, it depends because what I care about is not necessarily whether or not that affects my overall conversion rate, which I think it might at a hundred sessions, it may or may not. 
but whether or not it influences my conversion rate for that specific search term or keyword, right? And if if at one sale out of 100, it's helping me improve for that keyword or search term, then I'm going to do it. At one sale out of 100, if I'm dropping in rank on that search term, then I'm still going to pause it because I want to convert at a higher rate for that search term because it means I'm going to get more sales, which means I'm more likely to rank higher for that search term. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes total sense. And again, I don't think there's a right or a wrong answer there. It was a great question. And it was funny that Ty actually raised his hand and asked. I'm like, what the heck's Ty asking here? It was stump the moderator. Yeah, it was. I think it was. And uh, and I think you you did very well on your feet. Uh, And it it was a a good answer. And I think, you know, it does depend. Uh, (laughs) It it really it really does. I mean, it truly does, because it could work for some and maybe not work for others. my, my initial thought was, man, I don't want a hundred people going to my listing and not converting, you know, only converting to one. Cause I think that that would hurt. But in the same breath, like you were saying, if you can get one or two to help you convert, so, or to, to convert. So this way here, you can help rank, then that may offset that. Um, and it's relative. Yes. Right? And it has to be because relative. Exactly. Some, some, some keywords or search terms, I guess if we're talking about PPC, but the your rank is determined based on how likely you are, and this is just the way I phrase it. Obviously, it's a lot more complicated than this. But based on how likely you are to sell for any given search that a customer runs, right? Right. And that's why when you look at Jungle Scout, sometimes the top selling product isn't ranked number one. It's because the other product has been determined by Amazon to be more likely to sell. One of those factors is your conversion rate for that keyword or that search term. Hmm. And so if everyone else is selling at or, or converting at half a percent and I'm converting at one percent, then I'm converting better than everybody else. Right. right. If everybody else is converting at 10 percent and I'm converting at one percent, I'm converting worse. So I'm going to drop. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, again, I mean, if you're if you're thinking about this stuff, you know, as far as like your conversion rate and all that stuff, it does need to be tested. But I just want to highlight this again. You know, here we are in a room of 30 people. And then we start this conversation and then you're going to get people making, you know, their own suggestions. And, and this really was, it was a great question that started that conversation. But again, people that you would think that are already, they know exactly what that answer is. They're really unsure and they're asking questions and they're not afraid to ask questions. And that's what I love about these small groups. And we did get a lot of feedback from people saying they loved the small, intimate, uh, you know, groups. They, don't, they, they would rather this than, you know, hundreds of people. Because this way here, we're able to connect on a on more of a one-on-one basis. Everyone can chime in in the room. Um, and that leads me to my next thing. Like connections are made here. Like relationships, partnerships, um, you know, really strong friendships are made. And I told you this uh, just before we got on here. Uh, you know, there was there's a couple guys that were at the last event uh, in Denver, in the TAS Breakthrough Live in, in Denver. And I didn't realize that they became really good friends and that they were talking once a week. And they both kind of came over at dinner on day two and we talked for a good 30 minutes and we were just kind of talking back and forth. And they were like, yeah, I don't know if you realize this, Scott. Number one, you know, our success is totally because of you. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, guys, you guys actually had to do it. And they're like, yeah, but if I never listened to the podcast, if you never got me started and got me through those initial stages, I never would be where I am today. And that, and I wouldn't be here today to, to grow further, but you know, one of them's doing six figures a month. One of them's doing, you know, $40,000 a month. So they're both doing really, really well, but they told me that they really feel as though they've helped each other grow. 
And that was because of that connection that they made between the two. And that doesn't mean it's going to always happen, but I do believe that those friendships, those those partnerships, those, and they're not really partners, but they are in a way that they're helping each other, right? Um, so I just love that. And if you if you guys are ever thinking about attending an event, really think to yourself, like, what do you want to get out of it? Is it the content that's just being taught or is it the connections and the networking and the friendships that can be made? And also think about, and this is what I think about a lot, Chris, and I've talked to you about this. If there's an event with thousands of people, I need to know that I'm going to be able to connect with 20, 25 people somewhere, somehow. If I can't, then it doesn't really make sense for me to attend that because I want to, I want to be able to, to surround myself with a, a smaller network of people. Um, now, if I'm going to a, a, an event of 100 or less, then I have a better chance. Um, that's just my feelings. What's your thoughts on that? No, I agree with that 100%. And I have to, I'm, I'm going to throw this out here. For those of you guys who don't know, this is kind of how Scott and I met. Yeah. Right. I mean, it, we, it, again, a virtual type environment, yep, but yep. we were in a group with thousands of people mm-hmm. and we kind of took that and Scott, you reached out to me and you said, Hey, you know, I'm going to reach out to a couple other people that I see that are active, you know, and, and that's what you have to do at an event with thousands of people. Yeah. And then we started our own little mastermind. I think we had 10 people in there, right? Yep. 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 And you know, we, we kind of grew from there, but in this smaller group, you're all very like-minded and that's one of the reasons that the Armstrongs come, you know, they, they live fairly close to me now, now that I've moved. And it's funny cause I said, you know, there's not really anybody in our area that gets together and talks about these things. There's not very many people who sell online. There's not, you know, it's not quite a uh, big of an entrepreneurial area. Mm. It's much more, you know, people have a nine to five and you go from there. And so that's one of the reasons that they come is because you can not only get the learning, but you have, the relationship building and all of that stuff. And you get to sit around the fire and talk business, personal, everything in between. Right. Yeah. And you get to, you get to grow beyond just the surface stuff that you would get in say a mastermind and develop real relationships with people and learn not only from their business stuff, but from the, the minute details that come out when you tie their business and personal stuff together and you get to see why they're successful, not just that they are successful. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's, uh, it's funny, uh, you know, this, this time I brought my wife and, uh, which was amazing. And she got to have dinner with us both nights. Um, she wasn't at the event all day. She was with my daughter, but, um, you know, she got to meet everybody and, and every, everyone was just, you know, so kind and everything. But she said to me afterwards, she's like, I can now see what you mean about having these intimate meetups or these events because you you really get to see the people and you get to to really understand their story and and you get to understand more about them and and what makes them tick and it also gets you excited and fired up um, to want to grow right along with them um, and, and she really seen that and she kind of highlighted that back to me and I'm so glad that she did because sometimes you just you don't understand it unless you're there. Um, I mean, she, uh, you know, she sat there and talked at dinner with Ty Roney for, for probably 25 minutes, uh, straight. Um, and they just, you know, just talk about life, family, um, you know, just all of that stuff. And it's just, it was really awesome. And, and again, I just think people need to understand that whether this is online or, uh, at an event, there's ways for you to reach out and connect yourself with like-minded people. And I think that that's your, that's your little immediate support group. Uh, and, and when you have that little group, it helps you to grow. It helps you to get through those tough times. Um, and it's it's just something I think is really, really powerful. And whether you attend one of our upcoming events uh, or someone else's, just evaluate it at what you want to receive from it, other than just the content being taught. 
Um, that to me is a bonus in a sense. Um, yes, you're going there to learn. You're learn, you know, and you're 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 going there to to grow. But ultimately, it's the people that are going to be there that's going to make it really, really valuable. Um, so let's jump into. And I'm sure we'll have other other little. Uh, little uh, tidbits here we can throw in there as we go through these stories, but I did want to kind of highlight three of the hot seats. Um, one of the hot seats was, and I'm not going to mention names in here either because we didn't haven't talked to these people about sharing, but I can at least share kind of like the gist of the story. Um, but this one here was from, and again, it's funny how now that I've went to this event, I can see the people that I've attracted and they're a lot like me. And, and I've always heard that, but I never really believed it, but it's so, so true. I get people of all walks of life, but they're they're very similar in their mindset and kind of, you know, their, I guess their goals and their missions in life, but also maybe what they came from. And this guy here was a plumber, okay? I, you guys all know I came from the construction field. So him and I are, t- and I, we had another guy there that was a, uh, that was a contractor, you know? So it's like, I had another guy there with a truck driver. So you know what I mean? Like I, I can see that people resonate and relate to where I came from, right? I know all about the plumbing industry. So him and I had a lot of good conversations, but... We were talking about him building his Amazon business. So what I want to kind of highlight here is he had a unique problem. And Chris, if you, again, if you have more details on this, because I'm just kind of going off the top of my head here. But the question that he had from us was he had a, a popular product that he was selling. And, um, and the thing was, is that he only had one product. And he wanted to know like what he could do. And I believe he ran out of stock a few times and he was going to get back in stock. But he wanted to know like, what do you recommend I do at this point? Is that how you remember it, Chris? Yeah. And it it kind of boiled down to do I go broad or do I, you know, do I kind of broaden out my niche a little bit or do I go deep? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and, uh, I think what, what we were talking about there was, you know, there's only so far you can go maybe with that one product. And again, let's kind of go back to the vacuum, right? If we talk about a vacuum and you sell a filter for that Dyson, well, there's also Hoover that has filters. So do you go along that line and just adapt it to that? Or do you uh, go completely different and, and get out of vacuums and go into something else? Right? Exactly. Is, yeah. Is, is that kind of how you've seen it? Yep. So what was our advice, Chris? Do you remember? I remember what you said or what I said. <laughs> no, and you know, I mean, to me, to me, what it came down to was you can absolutely go deep on this product. Yeah. Right. And that's that's probably where I would start. Yeah. Is I, that what I said? Yeah. Sure that's what I yeah, said. yeah. It's funny here. We're going <laughs> on the fly not, here. Then, this is uh, not rehearsed, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think the the gist of it came down to this. Number one, we we were so like uh just I guess giving him like all, all types of high fives because, you know, here he was, I think he's got six kids too, by the way. Um, like he's got like six kids and, uh, you know, he's, you know, saying to himself, I want to try this, this thing. And what do I know about? And he kind of knows about this industry. He actually bought something, um, as a closeout for retail ARB and then off found the out, yeah, off the shelf and then instantly listed it. And I think he bought it for 10 and sold it for like 40, something like that. It was something crazy. And then that's what kind of had him start to see that there was a market for this. Um, but his problem was, again, I've got the one product, you know, like, so what do I do with that? And I, I think our, our overall uh, advice to him was try to take that product. And yes, if it can be adapted to different, you know, different products across, you know, the board, 
then do that. That's the easiest way to do it. But then start finding those other products that could be potentially the same thing that could serve another product, but then have multiple ones across that, if that makes sense. So it's kind of like I said, like the filter for the, uh, you know, like, like the vacuum. If you have a Hoover, there's going to be a certain, you know, five filters that that goes across. If you have a Dyson, there's going to be five filters that go across. Um, you know what I mean? And then you can kind of build it out that way, but still staying within your niche, right? So if someone needs a filter, they're going to go to you because you, that's what you carry. Um, so, and I think that was the advice that, that we had, um, you know, and his was unique too, because, you know, we talked a lot about like, you know, building up your, your email list and, uh, you know, and being able to, you know, do external stuff. And this here is really like a non-sexy thing, right? If, if you were selling filters, that's non-sexy, but could you still build, uh, awareness around this? And this is where our, our, uh, vacuum cleaner came in because on day two, we talked about this, this contest model. And in the contest model, there was a vacuum that was being raffled off. Um, someone was doing a giveaway and they had like 30,000 entries, but then you would say to yourself, well, I don't sell vacuums. Yeah, but you sell the filter that goes along with that vacuum. So if someone won that vacuum, they're interested in that filter. And if people are are, are wanting to buy that vacuum, they may be a diehard uh, Dyson person and they're going to need filters for that in the future. So then you can, you know, you can follow up with that. So again, just to kind of wrap around the idea of this is a non-sexy product maybe that he's selling, but there's still ways that you can build out um, around that. Does that make sense, Chris? It does indeed. All right, cool. All right, so let's move on to the next one. This one was kind of funny because, uh, not funny in a bad way, it was kind of funny because here, you know, uh, a guy comes up, sits in the hot seat, and he goes, all right, so, um, well, first off, give you a little bit of a background on me. Um, You know, right now, currently, I'm doing about $200,000 a month, and I'm like, okay. I'm only doing $200,000. And I'm like, okay, um, you might be in the wrong room. Uh, and he's like, uh, you know, I didn't say that, but you, you see what I'm saying? Like, I mean, this guy's crushing it, right? So we got to the root of it. And just to kind of let you guys know, he's done Kickstarter programs or, uh, Kickstarter, um, campaigns for, um, a lot of his products. This is a guy that can actually create his own product. Um, he's created products from scratch. So he's got a pretty unique skill set. Okay. But his thing was his Kickstarter's have not been that successful in his eyes. Chris, why don't you talk a little bit about that? Right. And so basically what he said was, you know, I, I want to, I want to run a top Kickstarter campaign. I don't think mine are being successful. What do you, you know, do you have any advice? Because for those of you guys who don't know, and Scott, you and I talked about this, my team has actually helped people run Kickstarter campaigns. It's not an easy process. You don't just put it up and make money. There's actually a lot of marketing involved in raising that money. So he said, you know, do you have any tips or tricks to help me do better on Kickstarter? We said, what are you doing on Kickstarter? And he said, oh, you know, are, are you not getting the, the campaigns funded? No, they're at least getting funded and, you know, it more than pays for production. I just want to be able to hit like the million dollar campaign or this, you know, this insane uh, level of success on Kickstarter. Like the the one percent yeah. the people like the Pebble watches who just go absolutely viral um, and everybody and their brother wants the thing. And you and I kind of looked at each other and I said, well, you know, is, is the goal to do that or is the goal to build a long-term sustainable business? So that was the conversation that we ended up having yeah, was, yeah. Do, do you want it, you know, do you want to make money doing Kickstarters or do you want to build a long-term sustainable business? And oh, by the way, since you're already paying for production, that's not a not successful campaign, right? You, to get this product done, it's costing you nothing out of pocket. So even if you never sold one, you would at least be break even, right? Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you're getting your production paid for. You're getting all of the customization done in advance. You have a completely unique product when you go to launch it. And you have a list of people to market it to that can potentially buy it again or share with their friends or do any of those kinds of things. And that's that's the conversation we ended up having. Yeah. Well, and we kind of got down to the root of it because I'm like, okay, wait a minute here. I said, all right, typically, how much is your Kickstarter doing? He's like, ah, between twenty and thirty thousand dollars. And I'm like, okay. And that pays for your first run and it does the mold. It does all the stuff that you're doing, but you, but you want to get to that, you know, you want to get to that one that does a million. And I said, so is this about you having that trophy of saying that I did a million dollars in a Kickstarter? And he shook his head. He goes, yeah, it it is kind of. And I'm like, okay, so, and that's fine. If that's what you want that to be, that's fine. Don't stop there. Like that's okay. But that, that can't be like the, I, I guess the, the final thing, right? I think what you need to do is work on building out your your business right now that's doing 200000 and continually add to that because that is long-term. Not to mention, if it's getting to like, you know, the million-dollar payday, well, if you're at $200,000 now, depending on what your profit margin is and your netting, you know, you can sell off that and get your million, right? Because you're going to get 20 to 30x your net value, um, and Owen shook his head and he said, yeah, okay, I get that. Um, uh, but it really came down to, and he admitted this afterwards, it's a mindset thing. It's like, why am I doing the Kickstarter? Are you doing to just fund your, your, uh, product creation? And the answer was not really. It's really to, you know, see if I can hit that million in a Kickstarter. Cause that would be kind of cool. Um, because at this point doing $200,000 a month, you know, he's not, his feet aren't to the fire, right? He's doing now what's fun to him, which is cool. Right. But in the same breath, you know, you may be trying to go after something that's going to be really, really hard to hit, but it's okay because it's going to drive you. And if you hit that million on Kickstarter, then that's awesome. But then you're also going to be able to take that product and then start selling it on your platform and and Amazon and any other ones that you want to. And you have a a really kick butt product. Um, But what really what I was, you know, I guess what I took away from this was, wow, here's a guy that's doing 200,000. You would think that he's like, okay, I made it his hands up in the air. And he's like, yes, I'm rocking it. And he still had goals and he still had, you know, things that he was shooting for. And I think that that's how it's always going to be. And, you know, my my good uh, mentor, you know, Tony Robbins has said, you know, if you're not, you know, if you're not growing, you're dying. And I think that that's so true, because if you think that you're reaching like the end point, you're, you're, you're not with, you're not thinking with the right mindset because you're then not striving to do better. And whether that's better, not just financially, but maybe it's that you want to reach more people with your product to help them, right? Maybe that's the mission, right? Maybe that's it. Maybe it's a cause. Maybe it's something like that. Because once you hit that goal for money that you need to, to live the freedom lifestyle, then, you know, after that, it's, what are you doing it for? Right. And there's going to become a bigger mission there. And I know that, uh, you know, him himself, you know, talking to him personally and stuff, too, like he wants to do good. He wants to create like innovative products that people can use and enjoy and be part of that. And just it would just happen that that Kickstarter would be a million dollar uh, Kickstarter. But uh, I think we got him on the right track. I think he's still going to maybe play around with that. But he is looking more at the long term plan and maybe an exit strategy. I will say one tip that he told us all there was is if you run a Kickstarter program for your product and uh, even if you don't even get the funding or even if you don't uh, you know, meet your goal there, the, the, the ranking inside of Google for your product 
will be very high because uh, Kickstarter ranks really high within Google. So after that ends, there's still a link that can get sent to wherever you want to send it. Isn't that correct, Lee or uh, Chris? Yep. Yeah, that, that's what I thought. So it's it the, the ranking there is is really powerful because the authority of the Kickstarter. And I think I think there's there's another important takeaway, and I'm saying it's important because this was one of my pieces of advice. Um, not because it's necessarily profound, but because I think I'm important. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, and, you know, he said, you know, the goal is to get to that million. And I said, okay, there's two ways that you can approach this. You can either only pick products that can potentially get you that million, or you can continue doing exactly what you're doing and you're still going to get to that million eventually because you're going to hit a product that goes, hmm. right? But it's the same thing. And I think this applies to everybody that's listening in terms of Amazon product selection when you're not looking at doing Kickstarter and adding in that whole layer of stuff. You don't want to only look for home run products. You want to look for singles. You want to look for bunts. You want to look for doubles, triples. And eventually, by accident, Mm. by building your foundation correctly, by looking at a bunt, a bunt you know, on an infield error can turn into a, a double. Sure. Right. Absolutely. <clears throat> a double based on an outfield error can turn into an in the park home run. <laughs> it oh, happens all the time. I've right? seen it happen. <laughs> For those of you guys who don't know baseball, <laughs> they're doing better than they thought they were going to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it happens all the time with Amazon as well, because you go, OK, well, I'm probably going to get to 10 sales a day. And then all of a sudden you end up at 30. That to me is taking a single or a double and turning it into a triple or a home run. Hmm. And so the same thing can happen on on kickstarter just the run-of-the-mill products that you don't necessarily know are going to do that well can get you to that five hundred thousand million dollar campaign because it's something that everybody needs Mm -hmm. yeah yeah no i i I agree and uh you know the other thing that i i guess that i would say for the takeaway um that i took away uh with him is that he just basically says i love creating brand new products like he enjoys the design he he enjoys finding a flaw in something and then uh and then making it better um so he just enjoys doing that right so that's like his thing so keep doing that right like why not like you have a huge advantage being able to do that so um so that would be the takeaway for anyone else if you enjoy doing something and it can then in turn help your business grow then don't stop doing it do it <laughs> you know have fun with it um okay the last one i want to talk about real quick is the 80 month uh, with one brand story. And uh, this one here is pretty interesting. I think, I, I forget how many SKUs she has. Um, it's a lot. I know it's a lot. A lot of SKUs. It's two hands full, yeah. Yeah, it's it's quite a, quite a few SKUs, okay? And each SKU might only be doing four, five, six units a day, okay? But she's getting to 80,000 a month by using that model. Okay. And she's got one brand built right now and she's doing about 80,000 and she feels she has everything optimized. She feels as though, you know, it's pretty much running on autopilot for the most part with, you know, the normal, the the normal stuff to, to maintain that. So the question was, should I start a new brand or continue to grow the one I have? And Chris, what was your, what was your response? Do you remember? I believe it was continue growing the one that you have. Yes, it was. And uh, <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, and and here's here's my thoughts behind it. And then I want you to kind of talk a little Absolutely. bit about your thoughts. But what, what my thoughts were is like, okay, so you have a, a brand that's doing, you know, 80K a month and you have multiple SKUs and they're all doing, you know, maybe three to five units a day, some maybe six here and there. If we can take 
the top performers, the ones that might only be, or even, or even the ones that aren't performing as good as you think, but you can bump them by two or three sales per day across your SKUs, that's going to take that 80 and maybe push it to 90, okay? Right. Because you already have the groundwork done, right? You say you've already optimized it, which I still say that we can, you can probably take some of those ones that might not be converting as high and maybe bump them up a little bit. Um, however, you know, however you do that. I mean, with that many SKUs, it's going to be hard to do them all at once. So that's why I would pick a few that you felt you could bump, and this is what we had told her, and I would focus on that versus starting from scratch. And we asked her, we said, do you have anything in mind for the second brand if you were to launch? She goes, no, not really. Just thinking I just would start over again. And, maybe and I think it. I think the goal was to to basically take it to 100K. Yeah, right? yeah. It was to to take it up 20K a month. And... You know, the one of the other things that, that was said during this hot seat was, oh, you know, all my stuff is optimized. And that's a that gives me kind of a guttural response of no, it's not every single time people say that they may be right. They may not be right. But we have to have the data to know that. And so the first thing that we said was, well, make sure you split test your listings. Mm. Right. Use use a service like a splitly or something, you know, even if you just do it in Excel yourself to double check that because while we always think that that our copy is good and our photos are good, if we can improve that by one sale a day by trying something that we're not trying now, it's worth the time and effort to set up those tests. And honestly, it doesn't take much time or effort to set those up and let them run in the background and then let the numbers tell us whether we were right the first time or we're right, we're right now. And you will be shocked at what can happen in your business when you start doing even just basic split testing, just testing that main image and see what happens. Yep. Yep. Main image price. That's the two that I would do that we talked about there at the event as well. And I kind of want to go back to this. So, so let's just say, let's just, and and I think this was the other thing that we had said, like, okay, like, I think she's only been doing this for like, I don't know, a little over a year, maybe a year and a half, which is pretty awesome. And we all gave her a huge uh, a huge applause because it, it's really awesome. But the other thing that we said was, okay, do you have an email list? And she was like, well, it's kind of small, very little, not, not many. I forget what she said, but I think it was under a thousand, but she's got a lot like, of customers, like two or 300, right? But she has a lot of customers that we, that we have a few strategies that we can get those customers information and then we can start retargeting them on Facebook. So that would be another strategy to try to then reach people that have left that didn't buy and bringing them back. So that was another strategy that we talked about. But the other thing that we said to her is like, like, okay, you're at 80,000. Let's just say that you're netting 30,000. Okay. And if we were to do like a regular, I don't know, 20, 25 X, right? Because that's usually what you do when you sell off a business. It's usually depending on the growth, depending on how long it's been selling. We do 20 to 25 X, basically 25 times. So if we took that number of 30,000 for 25 X, that's $750,000 that 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 business is worth technically to someone who would want to buy it, right? So, you know, you might want to push that to where you get to that million mark and then you're going to sell it off and you're going to exit when you get to the million, right? But the asset that she has is to me incredible, um, and we also made her aware of that. And she was like, okay, okay yeah, that makes sense too. So there's a lot of different reasons why I would still focus on this main brand and continue to try to get that 80 to 100. So this way here, the cash out at the end, if I was going to exit, would be there. But also just to grab that extra 20 that you could do just by using what you already have versus taking your focus and going outside of that. Because I said too, once you go to that second brand, even though you don't think so, it's going to take away from this brand. It's just going to, even if it just takes away from growth, 
Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. Even if it doesn't take away from sales, you know, you, you may be able to maintain that at 80. But if you're not at least continuing to do some things like the split testing and and spending time dedicated specifically to this brand, if you're spending, you know, your 40 hours a week and we keep throwing that number out. But if you're spending your full time effort on this brand and you then split that, there is going to be a drop somewhere. It may not be in the top line sales, but it's probably going to happen in the growth, right? Absolutely. Where this brand may have grown from 80 to 100 on its own. You're now spending that time on another brand trying to grow that to 20K a month so that you can get to the 100,000 mark. Yeah, no, absolutely. Agree 125%. I think, um, you know, what what we really, I think, realize and what she realized is that, you know, she still has potential there to grow that, even though she thinks she's maxed out. And we may all think that, but there's ways, if you're not, if you're not externally retargeting people that land on a certain page in Facebook, you're, to me, you have not, you have not uh, reached your, your max you know, without a doubt. I mean, there's so much that you can do. We talked about that on day two as well as other things. And I think she was excited about that. Um, so that was the advice we gave there. So those are like three examples, guys. I mean, of like, you know, people that are, 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 are still willing to learn, are still willing to ask questions and not saying, well, I'm doing 80 K I know everything, you know, I mean, that's not, that's not how you grow as a business. And I think that being at these events, I mean, I learned a ton just from sitting there giving advice, but then also listening to other advice that was been, that's being given from other attendees. And then just after afterwards, people talking amongst themselves and listening to conversations. Um, it's just really, really awesome to be able to be a part of that. I'm still fired up and I still got a ton of things that we want to do. And again, sometimes it's hard because now you have to prioritize them and say, what should we do next? That's going to be most beneficial and it's going to have the most impact. And I think that's a hard thing when you when you leave one of these. So you have to kind of prioritize them, let it kind of the dust settle a little bit and then start taking action on those things that can move the needle. Um, Chris, any last little bits of uh, thoughts or advice that you'd give anyone right now, depending on what stage they are in this business? First, if you don't like if you're not somebody who likes to go to events, find an event and go even if it's not 100% Amazon focused, right? Find some sort of way to get involved because you're always going to learn and grow. But the, again, it comes down to the surrounding yourself with like-minded people thing Yep. that makes the biggest difference. And whether it's people inside the classroom, like I know a lot of the, the people in the classroom have their own little masterminds. I know there's some little masterminds that go in in the big TIS group as well. Those types of experiences are going to be what takes your business to the next level. It really is. And it sounds cliche, but it's, it's the truth. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think anyone out there listening right now, understand that, you know, you're, you're at a certain part of the journey and, and it's just, you, you got to constantly be growing and, and you have to be consuming. And I say this all the time consuming, but you know, if you consume and you don't do meaning take action, you're not going to be able to see any of the results. So you have to get out there and, uh, and, and take action on what you're learning. It's really, really important. And sometimes you got to tune other things out. You know, sometimes you have to, you know, not open your email for a week so you can go ahead and stay focused. I mean, on anyone that you're following or anyone that you're, you're getting advice from, um, including myself, like if, if I'm distracting you, just put your head down and start working. Right. I mean, I think that's really, really critical. So, guys, that's pretty much going to wrap it up. I will uh, remind you guys on the show notes to this episode and the transcripts can be found at theamazingseller.com forward slash 284. And you can find all of those 
there. The other uh, thing I'll remind you guys, if you guys are brand new and you guys want to attend one of our, our live, it's not a live in person, but it's live online workshops, you can head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash workshop, and we can help you out over there, answer any questions that you have there as well. So go over there and register for an upcoming one. We would love to hang out with you for the evening or the afternoon, depending on what time uh, we're doing it when you visit that page. So Chris, I just want to say thanks again, man. I am pumped for what we have planned in the future as well. And uh, guys, remember, I'm here for you. I believe in you and I'm rooting for you, but you have to, you have to come on, say it with me, say it loud, say it proud. Chris, you're going to say it with me today. Sure. <laughs> One, two, three, take, take action. Have an awesome, amazing day, guys, and I'll see you right back here on the next episode.